You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Lust for Life with James L. Mattern and Benji Suswine. Yeah, and that's why some intimate secrets have ended up on this goddamn podcast and I get calls from people going, what, did you, what, did, what do you mean you had sex with no condom? No secrets. So, and then I got to... Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lust for Life. I am your host, James L. Matter. This is a podcast that is about being left to the dial, being who you is, uniqueness, and just general buffoonery. Let's, yeah, buffoonery. Uh, we are also America's number one podcast, as voted on by Canadians. This is a big deal, because Canadians vote Costa Ricans down with us. The Kiwis worship us. We become a like a sun god to the Kiwis. Mm. I read the comments on SoundCloud. Antarctica, still six scientists, so we're not really worried about them. You know, if one of them, if one of them's Kurt Russell, though, we're in. If you get the thing reference, I love you. I'm looking straight at the hand of the king, my right hand. Good head of hair. The kingpin himself, dressed like he's an extra in the 1987 movie Hoosiers. My Ooh, dear friend. I'll take that. Benji <laughs> Suswine, a.k.a. Ace. Sweet, sweet, sweet wine, baby. That's it. That's how we do business up in this place. God bless you. What up, pimpin'? Love the energy today. I'm on no sleep. Really? Two hours of sleep. I feel like sleep. that's when you're at your peak. You say that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I also had an energy drink after a very good workout. My heart felt like it was jumping through my chest. Mm. I work out about every day. I've never felt it like this. I did basically the same routine, but I changed some things around. My heart was just like I felt like I was in a scene in Boogie Nights. Yeah. That's how much my heart was racing. So, um, And then I had an energy drink on top of that. After? After that. You and do now energy I'm drinks drinking. after you work out. Yes, sir. I think you're doing it wrong. I'm hardcore. Um, and now I'm drinking a red eye, which is coffee with espresso. Ooh. And so I'm flying high again. And like you Ozzy wonder why you can't sleep. You just do cocaine. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> sir, because I'm a Boston Celtic fan. And um, we cannot ah. do. Yeah, if you're a Celtic fan and you do cocaine, you're an asshole. Wait. Eddie Bias, Reggie Lewis, and a lot of the decisions of ML Carr. Uh, there are just, other people who have been killed. But it, it ruined our franchise. Hold on, I gotta introduce everyone here. But yes. yeah, it ruined our franchise for like thirty years. Cocaine. Okay. Introduce it. Cocaine. Cocaine. Ruined us. You think we ruined everyone? We would have got more chips. Yeah, but everyone didn't play for the Celtics. So there you go. Um, we're just gonna introduce everyone. We have Super Tramps here. Aaron, he's gonna be a guest technically. Hey guys, because he has up? a specific thing. We also brought in as a third mic. It's a treat. I love this gentleman. He's one of my favorite. Has arguably the best name in life let alone comedy. It's just kind of mysterious and awesome and uh, a good friend and um, not a fan of headphones. Matt Ruby, everybody. The great Matt Ruby's here. Thank you. I love you too, James. I fucking love Matt Ruby. And I think I have too much energy for him already. <laughs> I can tell you probably just got up and... Uh, <laughs> I've been up for hours. For, oh, that's right. You did text me at 8.30. Wow. Why were you up at 8.30? Chopping trees. Sometimes when I drink the next morning, I can't sleep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, then I'm like, uh, and I have shit to do today, so... Right on. Let's get a start. So you on drink it. the night before? Like, I need to wake up early. Me, I, I, I didn't drunk. strategize that well <laughs> about it, but yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't strategize either because um, I end up hungover a lot on the show as it happens. Mm -hmm. And part of it is like, well, I don't really have, I just got to talk. And then you get here and you're like, oh. And uh, I didn't realize how bad it is. I did an interview for a gig I'm doing New Year's Eve. And the intern who interviewed me to, to do press for this thing, she listened to like three, four episodes of this show. God bless her heart. And um, oh, wow. like the 30th questions, well, I can tell by listening to your podcast, you are a hangover expert. You know, am I, <laughs> oh my God, is this my reputation? Is this, is this the route I'm going? 
Own it. Almost 37. Own it. Is dirtbag. Be who you is. Be who you. I am a dirtbag booze hound, apparently. And and I'm like, come on, that's not really me. She's like, I've listened. I'm like, okay, then (laughs) what are you asking? All the episodes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fried rice and Greek food. That's the key. And she got mad because I don't eat Indian food, but I'm allergic to legumes. So what are you going to do? These things happen. Hey. All right, so. I'd be mad too. What, a kid eat Indian food? It's delicious. Well, you're yeah. vegetarian too. Yeah. You have to. It's one of our favorites. Yes. Yeah, so Speaking options. on behalf of all the vegetarians. You should speak it. We claim it. Yeah, why wouldn't you? All right, so let's break this down. Super Chips, but on a mission. Yeah, man. He's almost through it. So we're going to talk about happiness. He's how many days in a row? Today is uh, today's day twenty five. Okay, and tomorrow's twenty six. And it's a marathon. Twenty six. So, mar- so of what? I've heard ha- days in a row of happiness. What does this mean? So me, Ooh, and I love let that me, tone in this. This is what we put people let me, together. Let me back. Let me back this up uh, a little bit. I am uh, a moody bitch. Uh, Owning it's the first one. One, <laughs> one of the moodiest, uh, and I and I don't and I don't try to hide it. Um, but I guess what twenty five days ago. I had a, like a like a really bad weekend, like one of one of just one of one of the worst. Nothing nothing was uh, nothing was going well, uh, and then Monday it started going okay, and then I just started stringing together a few days, and then the New York City Marathon was the next day, and I wrote a tweet that it was originally just a, just you know just a joke, and I said we don't need to run marathons, life is hard enough. Uh, if I'm happy for 26 days straight, somebody should throw a victory blanket over me, and then I started thinking about it, and I made it an actual goal to be happy for 26 straight days. So it's it's simple. A conscious effort. It's simple mm-hmm. in in uh But you don't lose if you're unhappy, it's not broken. Well, it's not it's not uh twenty six days in. of consistent happiness, like right. consistent giddiness, like you're not it's really the digging dancing. yourself out when you're it's like about, oh, well, wait, I promise myself I'd it's be happy. about Let's it's about having this. like today's a good day. Right. It's having twenty six good days in a row because I mean and you know, know, what does a good day mean? What is a good day? Uh I mean these guys have seen me on the bad days, so they can, they can speak to that. Uh, it's more of a, more. it's the mindset and yeah, attitude it's, it's, that, you, that you carry around. It's a, mi- it's a mindset. Um, You're also from Syracuse. It's very hard to be positive from there. Let's very be honest. Hard. Everyone I know from Syracuse, yeah, we to got, say there's a chip got, on the we shoulder. Got a little, we got a little bit of that. There's about 37 chips. <laughs> there's some snow there, too. There's, right. some snow, there's some snow on the shoulder. The chips, the chips are buried under the snow right, right. now. So, um, what would it take for you to break this? Like, like. What's the closest you've come where you you your temperament has almost gone? I don't want to say the dark side, but towards red, towards oh, that fuck this, this is horrible, and then just put yourself in a cave of, of unhappiness. So I guess I, I was just telling Benji this earlier. One of one of the biggest issues that I have is a, a lack of resiliency. So something small can happen, and then it can kind of disrupt me, and then I'll be upset for a while. So some something little, I'll get some I'll get some news I don't like, and it'll start that evening and then carry over to the next day and I'll wake up and I'll have a bad day from, you know, from the start of the day until the end. Um, but what the biggest thing I've found is, is that now that I'm doing this, I'm, I'm much more resilient. Like this, the same types of things that have happened before to piss me off happen and I'm pissed off for maybe half hour, 45 minutes and, and I'm able to get back on track, which I wasn't really able to do before. My question, and this is could the fact that you made it a commitment 26 days, like, do you have tools or, or things you do? Like, I'm unhappy now, so what? while well, I made this commitment to myself, then what do you do? And why weren't you able to do those things without yeah, it's, this, it's, this uh, whole process? It's, like, it's, it's really simple. I think it's, it's just uh, mindfulness and deliberateness. Those are, those are the two biggest things. Mm-hmm. And then using your own stubbornness to your advantage. 
I mean, it's like when you're running an actual marathon, the only reason why to do it for 26 miles is because you stubbornly said you were going to do right. it. You need to brag and, about and it and afterwards. You, and then you keep, yeah, which is the other thing is that I talk to people about this nonstop. So I'm. So you made it a thing. So, by, so it's by, also 26 days of annoyingness. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everyone but, else is really unhappy. But when, <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm. But well, when it's I'm. Problem. Right. Especially in this town. But when I'm. But when I'm talking to people, I'm thinking about it, and then I'm being mindful that I'm trying to be happy, and I'm aware of trying to be happy, and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of reinforces it. Now this is just the first time I'm doing it. So you're. you're so you have one more day right now. Today's day 25, tomorrow's day 26, and then day 27, are you no longer, if you wake up in a shitty mood? Yeah, is it like a cheat day? Um, (laughs) A depression binge? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's going to go down. You know what? uh, I'm not going to worry about keeping count, but I actually think that I'll, I'll, I think that if I just did this eventually, and I I didn't continue doing it eventually, I'd be moody again, but I think it'll carry over. Mm Mm-hmm. Just in, in, back-to-back in, marathons. In, you well, tell people you. so the, the next one I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, this one I'm just doing alone. I've been telling a lot of people about it. The next one's gonna start December sixth, so it ends December thirty first. So when everybody's like partying on New Year, you're also celebrating this accomplishment. But the idea of a lot of people doing it together, then you'll have one. It's like a support group, but two, like if, if I'm happy and I'm you know, when you're around happy people, it makes you happier. So yeah, it's sure. it's. I mean, this this definitely isn't something for everyone, but for people who who. Uh, you know, for for moody bitches, it's, it's a it's not a bad it's not a bad way to help you kind of stay happy. I, I have think. some issues with this. This All is right. great because I feel we've set up a false goal here. Our, our whole society, I think, has set up a false goal of happiness. There, I think, when you talk about mindfulness or like you, you think know, that a, the, you, a more Buddhist concept of being aware of when you do feel sad or down and when you do feel happy or up, and to notice those things are happening, but to sort of view them, you know, the way you watch the waves come in and out as opposed to sinking beneath them is really the, in my mind, a better attitude to have as opposed to I must be happy all the time, which I think in a way is almost a way to guarantee sadness because you're giving yourself a false goal. Well, is it I must be happy or I want to be happy? Uh, I mean, well, it's, it's I goal, will. I'm, I want to be happy 26 days in a He's row. He's forcing or is the goal himself I have to be happy. Well, because not, I want to be, then but it's not. How do it's I not. Sure? It's not consistent happiness. It's. It's right now. This just happened. I'm frustrated. I'm stressed. I'm annoyed. I'm sad. I'm angry. Uh, but it's. Not you know, it, let it so in, in in Spanish they have two two verbs for to be. They have ser and a star. Ser being like a permanent state. Like uh, like I am, uh, I am from Syracuse. But um, that would be that would be like the the ser version, and a star would be like I am wearing pants, versus a, a temporary state. So I am angry is just this looking at it as this temporary state, and and being aware of your anger, but also letting it, accepting it, letting it pass, and then going to a, a resting, happy, kind of positive place. It's a way of of just trying to rewire your mind to be just a little bit more positive. Yeah, I think you guys are actually saying similar things. Yeah, I think we're getting into semantics. I would say yeah. like I don't like the the, it must be positive or happy, or that your resting place is a place of positivity and happiness. To me, seems uh, disingenuous. That that really sometimes the the natural state of being alive is one of a little bit of suffering or pain or, or uh, not always just being happy. But you know, you try to keep yourself buoyant through that. Um, sometimes the analogy I like to think of is uh, I remember being a little kid and going to Yankees games was like my favorite thing in the world, and my dad would take me and. And walking through the tunnels as you get to your seats, mm-hmm. you're just in this concrete like dungeon, just walking, and it's all black and and terrible. But then every like you know, eighty yards or so, you get a gate 
where you get to look through and you see, yeah. the, see yeah. the grass and the sky and the people on the other side of the stadium. You're like, oh my God, that looks amazing. This is, this is what I've been waiting for. And then you're back to the tunnel. And I kind right. of feel like that's what life is like. You kind of go through the tunnel wow. and you know what? You get glimpses. You get to, you get to connect. Right, to that but in your analogy, in you do walk in to the field part or yeah you get and to, you I, get I, to your seat and then you just stay there and watch yeah the game. And I, I think it loses a lot of its luster once you're there because then that becomes your new normal so then uh, uh, you have to so recalibrate it's about, like the perspective i yeah. also think the grass is always greener i also think yeah. um matt is my age so a lot of those games was stuck seeing matt noakes batting fourth so <laughs> that don matt don mattingly was uh was with his back broken batting. wasn't the wasn't the same past Dave 86, Win- boys. Dave Winfield. Matt, do you, do you meditate or do you read uh, about Buddhism? Both those things. Yeah? Although not, uh, not as much as I should. So How did you get into w- that? Um, I, I'm a seeker. Mm. Were you unhappy? Was it was something in your life you were trying to change? Um, no, I, I, I just remember the first time I ever read a, a book that I definitely recommend called Buddhism, Plain and Simple by Stephen Hagen. And I remember reading that and being like, oh, this makes sense. Everything uh-huh. else I'd ever read about religion just seemed like a crock of shit. And then this was someone talking about, you know, maybe the reason that we like real flowers over plastic flowers is the fact that they die. The fact that they go away oh, wow. is what makes them special and valuable and things like that. And the idea of, That's of dukkha and suffering and, and that, you know, we're all sort of in pain or feeling this existential angst. And the question is, how do we deal with it and how do we sort of respond to it as, as human beings on the planet, as, as these animals that are actually aware of our own mortality and, and some philosophical questions that I found very intriguing at the time. Um, so then I, and did you grow up religious? Um, I'm, I'm Jewish, uh, cultural Jew, not, not, uh, practicing or synagogue Jew or whatever uh-huh. you want to call it but uh my mom was always a, a big seeker too and fan of sort of different Jew. religions and also I, all right and then the other thing i would recommend is like joseph campbell as far as religion goes the idea who's uh, uh dead now but wrote extensively about uh not just one religion but all religions across cultures and across times uh, and about what they have in common and the power of myth and the power of storytelling and how some tribe in Papua New Guinea and some, you know, tribe in the Amazon, which never had any chance to meet, might have the same story or the same yeah. mythology. And what does that tell us about human beings and our desires and, and the myths that we create and the, the kind of way we get through life and use religion to do it? And so those are religious things that I'm intrigued by, but it's not about like, oh, this, this one's right, this one's wrong. And, and right. I, know, I know very little about the Baha'i faith, but the, the idea of uh, one, one light, many lanterns, uh, out of context, at least, that appeals to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think all religions, when you drill down deep enough, have very similar messages in, in spirit, and then just the way we actually execute them yeah, is when they get fucked up. God, on paper, they're they're all, for the most part, I mean, there's there's a lot of good to them. There's also a lot of nonsense on the paper. There right. is some, the, some the, hate in that that's written power. in Power. Power yeah. is the problem. You know, but, but that's not a religious thing. That's more of a human thing, because you see that outside of, the, of religion also. Yeah. You know, and I look at man, I look at religion kind of like how Bruce Lee looked at like fighting, right? There's no right or wrong. There's, I take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? Right? He was like, there's the no one bladder. style that's the best. Yeah. I'm gonna boxing's great because of this, but also let's mess with a little taekwondo. How about some kung fu for you? Just a little bit. Do Make it. it your own. Right. The only style is no style, and I think why not religion as well. I think, though, that there are a lot of people who need just one style. A lot of people who, who need uh, just, you know, just block like this, just kick like this. Well, and the, the religious uh, MMA, they're gonna, not going to have a good record, baby, because a lot of us... We're, we're, I don't know about... We're going to have tiger. So? Well, I'm just kind of joking, of course, because... I, no, but I think his point is, yeah, some people 
Some people need that. They need that. Some people need the structure. And, they need right. it. They need it rule by rule. They need it. Right. And, and they, the, the idea of pick and choose and put it together yourself doesn't appeal to a lot of people. And they need the, uh, the structure, the solid. And I guess that makes sense. But for a guy, like, see, I'm wired. It's going to shock you three gentlemen who've known me for a long time collectively. Um, I don't do well with structure. So I forget that people need it. Right. That pe- some people need to know that they, the alarm goes off at 758, right. hard boiled egg at 802. Right. I mean, we're not we're not like accountants or librarians. Those aren't that's not us. But there are people who who that's the right. way that they're. And oriented. I think the problem is when those people say everyone has to be like this, as opposed to like, oh, I like structure. You do you though. Yeah, that's the attitude. Yeah, baby, okay. I want left to be a jazz song, man. <laughs> I don't I, know when we're going to the bridge, baby. When we're going to the bridge, Holland, we don't fucking know. I got a happiness thing again. Tell I, me, Ruth. Because what? I, well, I worry that our society puts too much emphasis on this notion that we need to be happy all the time, and we set up this false goal that's unattainable, and then everyone's taking, you know, their Klonopin or all their other drugs, and and feeling like there's something wrong with them when they do feel depressed or moody or whatever. When maybe our true nature is to go in cycles and to sometimes be sad mm-hmm. and sometimes be happy and just sort of being aware of that and being able to process that in a, in a mindful way is, is really the goal as opposed to some state of actual happiness or, or joy all the time. But I, again, I think we get wind up in a question of semantics. And, yeah, and, and how are we defining happiness? And I mean, I think definitely like acceptance and awareness of, of your uh, emotion is key. Where, where I was, I was in a place where that weekend, the, the two biggest things depressing me were... Uh, uh, not not getting up enough, not being able to do enough spots, um, and and then just getting over miss, missing my ex. So those well, do those, it to you every time, both of those. those so Me those too. two things are both. But oh. I was I was uh, what really realizing that anytime you say I would be happier if you're lying to yourself because you know there are times when you're getting up all the time, you're upset about something else, or uh, you know it's not. I was when I was in this relationship, it's not like I was happy the entire time. There would be other things that I would be like, well, I'm worried about my apartment or I'm worried about, you know, you know, work or, or whatever it is. So anytime you, so it's really kind of, I think taking the responsibility on yourself rather than putting it on external circumstances. So, so like to use your, your Yankee stadium analogy, it's not, I would, I would be happier if I were out there. It's, it's just taking the responsibility of, even though I'm walking in the tunnel right now, I'm still going to be happy while I'm doing it. There's, or not, I mean, we don't need to have it. Uh, I mean, we do we do this semantic issue, or at least content, or 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 maybe accepting, satisfied, or okay at with peace, maybe at peace. Right, it's fine, peace, yeah. yeah. Because there's uh, the other thing is when you know when I'm in a depressed place, I can't uh, imagine or remember not being in one. That's the other thing. That, that if I'll try to look back and say, oh, I was happy then, mm-hmm. I'll be like, well, no, I wasn't. I you know I was I was uh, you know I, I was lonely. Or I was lying to myself about this or that. And, and when I'm in that dark place, I can't really. Uh, see the light so it's you know while I've these past 25 days I've just been interpreting things in a more positive bent which is something that you know meditation is great for in terms of rewiring your your brain to think in a, in a more uh, positive and peaceful way yeah or even just a knowledge that this too shall pass all yeah th- all things will pass yeah and, that, and that's Harrison. why and that's yeah, why yeah, George that. Harrison quotes when when, when people get uh you know depressions that 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 spider web where the the more you fight it the more the more caught you get where mm-hmm. you need to accept i'm I'm depressed right now i won't stay depressed or uh i mean i guess that's like a bad a bad uh, hallucinogenic trip is you have to know this is a bad trip but it's going to pass and, and then you'll move on but when people people get depressed and they say i'm depressed what's wrong with me there's something wrong with me that i'm depressed and that can just further further a cycle it's harder to get out of 
Well, you got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's two ways of doing it. I like what you've been doing. It's like, okay, this is bad. I'm not going to let it drag me down. And then there's, I think, what Matt says, and I subscribe to both of these. I think they're both beautiful ways to deal with it, is uh, I'll take the wave. I'll ride the wave where it takes me, and it will pass. And I'll, after that nasty right. wave of uh, miserableness, there'll be a good wave. Right. And also the, the feeling bad is what makes something feel good. I, and if I've you, argued If that. you never feel bad, then there's no feeling good. I used to do this as a bit. It's kind of more performance thing, but it's, it's something I strongly believe in. The meaning of life to me is like if you woke up tomorrow, right, and in your living room you had millions of dollars stacked up. It was yours. It was just yours. And you were eating lobster for breakfast, right? Like not even dinner, breakfast. Think about how decadent and how perfect your life would be if you breakfast, son. Like you could eat it like cereal too. With so like, like toast or something? Or well, no, man, cereal? you could eat it like cereal. The butter is like your milk or and just All having right. fun in the bowl. Um, and then you're Sounds banging. Healthy. <laughs> yeah, you, of course. Uh, it, that's why your heart explodes after you work out. Um, you're banging perfect tens. There's like seven of them lined up. You stay hard every time without, without like Viagra. And also in your living room is all four Beatles reunited, including the dead ones. And Yoko is nowhere to be found. It would be the greatest day of your life. But if you did 30 straight days of that, you right. would want to eat something stale. You would want to know mm -hmm. what it's like to struggle to pay for something. You'd want to bang some fours with, with uh, stretch marks. And you would want like new kids on the block to play. Because you need the bad to remind you how good the good is, baby. Yeah. I went a little longer, but I just you set me up, Matt. And I want to put it out there for the people, the, baby. Yeah. The other thing though is, when you're in a depressed place, you could have all four Beatles there, and it's not going to make you happier. You can something that, that you normally would enjoy. Like when I've been in a, in a down place, oh, I, I've never been that bad. I go I go to a concert, which is <laughs> you know one of my here. one of my Jesus one of my Christ. absolute favorite things to do is is to go hear a show. But if I'm in a, a bad place and I go to the show, I'm I'm not able to get up the entire time. Sometimes. See, that's always got me out of a funk. Mm. There was, I mean, y'all know my mental state years ago. I was bad with the OCD. I was, I was fucked up like a soup sandwich, and it was getting close to my birthday. And I knew I was making. I was like, when I get to this age, when I get to 34, the truth, right? I'm gonna be Paul Pierce that year. I'm obsessed with that number. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get out of this depression. I'm gonna fight this OCD. It'll be good. And right around then, the, the new Guns N' Roses was playing those three comeback shows and I went to Terminal 5 at like 11.55 on a Sunday night after doing a spot here at Stand Up New York and I was worried I about spending remember this. With you remember this. Yeah, yeah, I was debating it with you and I got right, I got my money, jumped right in the cab and I went into my birthday week so happy. It changed everything. And I was just depressed and miserable going into it. I was still living in Hoboken. Suicidal. I think there's also something about connecting with other people that mm -hmm. is really a lot of depression, I think, stems from like trying to go through shit on your own. Whereas when you're connected to other people, whether, I mean, comedy, I think, is great for this. When you're in the room with other people or at, yeah. a, at a rock show or just connected Beautiful. in a relationship or family, whatever else, like sort of we, we make each other kind of stronger in that way. Yeah, I mean, I was singing. It was Terminal 5 is a small venue, what, 1,000, 2,000 people? But we're singing November Rain, and we're singing Don't Cry, and even You Could Be Mine Together. And I, wasn't, I went by myself. I didn't talk to no one until after. I bumped into two guys. And yeah, but you're all together as an organism right. at a rock singing, show. Singing, and yeah, just, sure, we, sure. we all have this common. It was beautiful. So now if you're going just to random shows, bands you don't like, no, maybe that is. But, I mean, I... Like I said, that's something I can't relate to. To me, I go to a show. Woo! I'm yeah, no, no, usually, it usually, changes everything. Baby. Usually, like a band that you love too, and you're. Oh, I love with, it. So. Usually, usually it's like that. And then the the other thing, which is that more extreme, is uh, like I'll go to these hippie music festivals, um, 
And then it's the, the hippie mindset is basically I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be nice to everybody and everybody else is going to be happy and nice to me. And then we're all going to enjoy that. And we all get that's for our best interest. So it's a small community that gets that, which um, isn't possible in, uh, say, New York City, where people don't even make eye contact. Uh, but having that mindset, it's definitely like for I can be ecstatic for a whole weekend. I can be just like really happy the entire time and, and, and smiling and it feels good. So so there's the deliberacy in that. Let me ask you this. Growing up, what was your temperament like? Always moody? Or did you call yourself a moody bitch? Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was angry. I was an angry kid. Angry? At, at home, yeah. Where do you Yelled. think it stemmed from? Yelled. Uh, feeling different, probably. From your family or from school? Yeah, uh, man. Just everyone. No one gets me. Yeah, I mean, it, a, lot of, a lot of it was pretty typical angst, yeah. But uh, definitely um, being, being Jewish, being vegetarian, I, I felt different from, from, from day one. So you're veg- how long you two been hated groups? <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty much. <laughs> Justified, really justifiably yeah, exactly. so. Double persecution. Right. Yeah, kind of rough. There you go, buddy. <laughs> uh, vegetarian for us uh, since birth, actually. Both of my parents were vegetarian Holy when they smokes. met. Yeah. So that's that's intense. So wait a minute, you've never had meat. I've, I've accidentally had uh, like been at an Asian restaurant when I when I thought it was the tofu and Asians. bit down on Jesus. bit down on chicken, or I've had like a. <laughs> how dare you? We're trying to teach tolerance. <laughs> yeah. It was like, Joe, sneaky Asians trying to make us Jewish vegetarians eat meat. Right. How dare they? Well, I actually think this mindset we're talking about, I often find myself uh, the same way when an audience is upset at a comedian when they hear something they don't like. Yeah. So like, so you, what do you do when you hear something you don't like? You have to like cause a ruckus and get that person fired? Like, no, you deal with it just like everything else in life when you hear something you don't. You just I, yeah, I'm roll fa- with it. I'm fascinated by people who get offended. Yeah. I, I, I try to think about what someone could say to me that I would be offended. Right. I really like, maybe it would have to be something like my mom being Family. raped at the Holocaust Family. while you shit down my... What, that wouldn't but offend I just really, me, though. No. I, I like, try to offend me. I can't imagine... Is this what, a new game? We're pitching a new no, game I show. Real, like, I Fuck, w- make me laugh. I feel try like, to offend me. It'd be the greatest show ever. I feel like there's a feeling that I'm missing out on in life, which is like, whoa, I'm, I'm outraged that you said that. Right. Like, who cares? I mean, I, I like, think, I think don't it, give it, someone it, so much power yeah, over yourself. Like, yeah, that you can like, say something and it affects my move like that. I might think you're an idiot or you're wrong. Or I might it might hurt my feelings because you're right but i would never be offended i just don't i don't get it well yeah it's crazy because this is the age where everyone's getting offended now Mm -hmm. and it's it's it's, look at me i'm better than you i don't say offensive shit that's really what it is and then all these people have dirty laundry yeah they all have dirty laundry who's perfect and i decide what the what the line is everyone listen to me you cross the line right there you deserve to be fired like who are you that you get to say what the what what do you think about uh secular puritanism as a label for it. Let's pull out a, the uh, the yeah. iPhone and look these up. Um, <laughs> Quick break. break it down for me. <laughs> we'll be back. In- yeah, exactly. Um, what do you mean by well, that? You know, like you have all the all the uh, Puritanism in, in New England, where they, they still have dumb laws in Massachusetts. You still you can't have a happy hour in Massachusetts. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, there's so shit like that, or or like that's where like liquor stores having to be closed at a certain time, or all that type of real uh, real just kind of like real conservative. To be fair, if there was happy hour in uh, Boston. Um, they would lose a, a huge portion of their population every day. Like, or they'd be in jail. Like, yeah. I mean, it's the, one big the happy hospi- hour. The hospitals would be overflowing. Right. <laughs> I usually, growing up in Vegas now that I live out here and uh, I, I travel around, I'm outraged at last calls, except Boston, it made sense. They're kicking us out at 1.30. It was like, 
Yes, if there was ever a town that needs to shut <laughs> right. the fuck down from drinking, it was a Saturday. The Red Sox played a day game. Get people home. Get them home. Exactly. That's what I said to <laughs> yeah, the bartender. Man. I said, thank you. Give me one more. And let me hit on this ugly girl one more second. And that's, yeah. that was the game. And uh, Well, yeah, the Puritans were known for being maniacs. Sexual deviants. Dirty. But that's always it. Here, I mean... The Bill Cosby thing. I think one of the reasons why everyone's going nuts with Bill Cosby, I mean, A, it's if all these things are true, then he's a horrible, despicable right. human. But also B. <laughs> but no, but there's a, there is a B that that's that right. that's for a scorn. He has been squeaky clean and has yeah, been judgmental towards anyone exactly. cursing and doing that that's dirty and wrong. What's wrong with me saying fuck on stage or on the podcast or telling a dirty story out loud and expressing the truth of it? I mean, is that worse than... I would even than, say that they're probably connected. Someone who's repressing those things, is they're going to come out some some way. Yeah, and, and, and it apparently has come out um, very bad. I've heard rumors that he was not a good person years ago in Vegas. Because, right. you know, uh, in Vegas, we won't necessarily tell the rest of the world what everyone's secrets are, but we tell each other. Stays in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I worked at a golf course, and what would happen, all these old rounders, when they get to 50 or 60 need a real job before they retire so they can get a little bit of something from the government. So I would be working with these six-year-old dudes, 55, whatever, who had been around the block and have known, they banged every, now they were like Fredo in The Godfather. They banged mm. every cocktail waitress two times. You know what I'm saying? And so they would talk and I'd hear stories about Bill Cosby, man. And I wouldn't go so far to say rape, but I, that he was not a good person and he was very disrespectful to women. So that was always out there. And then for this to come out, Right. And, then, and then it's kind of like, well, you know, well, fuck you. Because he's someone who used to get offended over shit. And be like, well, I think the, what he's said within the black community is also, you know, I think outrageous when you consider his own behavior about like, oh, you got to pull your pants up and it's, you know, black people's own fault and all that kind of shit. And yeah. it's like, whoa, dude, like now look at yourself. Pull your you pants know? up. How about keep your fucking pants on? Right. Unless a girl says, okay, <laughs> you do not. Yes means yes. Like, apparently. If you got a hit sitcom. <laughs> well, it's coming back at him now. Yeah. That's it. I mean, real quick. I mean, I guess we, we digressed. And then we'll, I want to segue into something else, and then we'll do a good power. Why, yeah, I have a question on what we're talking about also. On, on this, the Cosby shit or back to happiness in general? Okay, we'll go attitude. back to well, yeah. Let me just say this with uh, Cosby. Do you think he's going to be the Joe Paterno of like comedy? Yeah. Do you think everything he's done is gone? Well, what about Woody Allen? You're saying if it's true. If, if it comes true. out and he's convicted or something like that. Well, here's what happened with Woody. Um, the cops, I mean, it, it depends on, you read that story. Some of the cops said there really wasn't nothing. Mia Farrow is kind of batshit crazy. So I think right. a lot of us were like, well, she's not credible. Um, Janice Dickinson seems to have her shit together. And there's 36 other women. So it, it's very hard. I, think, I do feel weird. I have a Woody I, Allen shirt, I, and I do feel weird wearing it sometimes. I think you separate the artist from the art. Agreed. You can, you can mm -hmm. hate this person for what he's done, but still right. enjoy his art. If, but they just pulled the Cosby show from reruns. I mean, that's yeah. a big deal. To me, and to me, that's like pulling the statue outside of Penn State of Paterno. That's yeah, why I that, thought of this. That's that's corporations protecting right. their financial interests. That's not exactly. someone saying, like, I don't like the Cosby show anymore. It's going to be interesting. And then does... I, I bet, this is going to sound morbid, baby. I bet he dies within a year. Maybe even six months. Just like Paterno. You heard her here first, Lust for Life. I make predictions. I could see that. I am the Swami. 
it would be pretty fucked up. You predict deaths. That'd become, yeah. I would become very powerful. Then I could start a religion. Yeah, don't rape a, me. Yeah. A shame to die when he has so many good raping years left. Oh, <laughs> not soon enough. All right. Let's do another happiness question, and then we're going to segue into something else, and then we'll close up shop. Well, here's a question I often debate with my family about. How do we take this mindset that we're talking about and spread it to the world, to these places that are very violent and very divisive? Because we often respond right now with force of our own, saying we have to go in and intervene, which doesn't seem to solve any problems. It okay. seems to, to, to spark new problems and create more... You just need to go into South, South Sudan. But do, and do we need like almost like missionaries, enough. like like happy, not happiness I think you missionaries. Gotta be the change you want to see in the world, right? So how? I mean, you don't. It's all, it kind of feels weird to like. It's almost like force education. Like you guys need to learn about yeah, the right I, way to live. I mean, but I think like like Gandhi or Martin Luther King. In the long term, their lessons to the world will have more impact than like Donald Rumsfeld, you know, or, yeah. or Osama bin Laden or something like that. Where it's you know that's something that endures and it's. Short term, it might be ineffectual, but like long term, like I think that's the best way to achieve it, you know, or spread it. Mm -hmm. but it's not Just easy. Like I, it. I don't think you can force people to do a lot of stuff. You got people have to come to it on their own. You know, you can kind of present it to them or, or, you know, put it out there, but it's tough to, you know, get people to change unless they want to change. Would a living class, like in, like in school, like say seventh grade, when you 45 minutes a day, yeah, like a I living and happiness should and, be part of the educational philosophy, process, but not philosophy like Plato and shit. You'll get to that. That's fine. It's more like therapy. But yeah, how to become you know, coping, coping, coping. I was fascinated. The edu whole education system, like you don't talk about like how to have a proper relationship and how to deal with yourself and how to be self-aware, which is financial what, stuff. No like financial how to, how to stuff, right? Bank it's like you need to know all the capitals, and then you go out for recess, get the shit <laughs> beat out of you, and like you don't know how to deal with any of that, and come back. It's like math. But we're not educating people how to live in the world. Yeah, we should fix the system, the four of us. We got it. <laughs> what if this, this is how it started right here? The four this is Holland, how it you can starts. get a piece of this, too, even though you're engineering, baby, and you're not at the round table. This is how it starts. We're going to get a coping class, Relationships right. 101. Yeah. Now, who could teach that out of the four of us? Not me. Let's be, I'm going to be blunt there. <laughs> What class are you teaching? I'm teaching happiness, baby. Happiness. Oh, no, maybe you, I mean, and now. And well, rock I wanna, and roll. I want to I want relationships. <laughs> Do you want to do relationships? I totally want to do relationships. Well, what's yeah. Matt Ruby going to Matt, Matt, you just hold down the fort, baby. Maybe you'll be the principal <laughs> of this new school, this fancy learning. Sure. Detention for everyone. <laughs> oh, there we go. Because now teach people that you don't get what you want and you have to get out of the holes that you're given in life, right? Exactly. Fuck yeah, baby. This is the new school. What are we going to name the school, Benj? Oof. I don't know. What are you guys thinking? Oof is good, good enough for me. Oof <laughs> school. Oof Academy. Higher learning. Oof you. Oof you. <laughs> Well, I think this is delightful, Super Tramp, and I, w I will be with you. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday. Friday's when it finishes. I will be with you as it strikes midnight tonight. I'm doing a gig with Super Tramp, and it's going to be exciting right for, on, man. for the end. Well, I mean, this is a, this day 25, so 26 is tomorrow. Yes, but God I'll be there it. when the calendar when, changes. When 20, okay, right on. So I will be there technically the 26. opening minutes of day 26. Right on. Well, you know, you were, you were there the, the, uh, the night before... It started a Sunday. I'm a so. bookend. Yeah. I don't know if you all know this. And I am also a teacher of a class of a school I just started that I'm not the principal right. of. So the oomph school. Damn it, we should start the oomph school. There's a lot of things we try to get done here. The oomph school is one of them. Um, Matt Ruby, I am a bastard. I have been trying to start um, Bastards Day, John Snow Day. Just like how <laughs> there's Father's Day and Mother's Day. 
uh, some of us bastards don't like to be reminded that we don't know our biological fathers. Thank God I have a great stepdad. He listens to the show. I give him a yell. But I see all these people talking all this shit on Facebook. Oh, my dad was about, my dad is either Mexican or Jewish, and I haven't met the motherfucker. So um, I think there should be a day for us bastards to just mm. rejoice each other. What, what's so that's the, something we're what's going the to date? Do. For Bastard Day? Yeah. Jon Snow. I don't know. I'm going to read the Game of Thrones books and figure out what day Jon Snow was born. And that's what I'm going to use. Yeah, I, just, I just found out there's Singles Day. What day? Well, that's every that, day. No, it was like a whole big shopping day. It was like one of the biggest marketing blah, 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 bullshit things. But it's like to counteract Valentine's Day. Like, go spoil yourself. You deserve and it. And when is it? Like the 13th? I think it just happened. Of February? Oh. There's one it. in like Japan or something. Yeah, it was a big that's, Alibaba, like their they're like Amazon, that, like blew up, made that, like $9 billion. That's what day. you need. You need you need some company behind you for Bastard's yeah. Day and then it'll, it'll spread. Okay. So these two things I got on the to-do list. Sure, any company will get behind Bastards Day. No, John Snow Day. <laughs> you better, better stick with John Snow Day. John Snow Day. On my Instagram. Who doesn't like a snow day? My bio is well. We didn't, I'm from the desert. We didn't have them. Uh, real life John Snow. Mm. And my girl just started watching Game of Thrones because you, you really real life John Snow. I'm like, yeah, I'm a bastard. How many times do you want me to tell the goddamn story? There he is. All right, so. I brought in Matt Ruby. I feel we have to end with a, a talk about rock and roll because initially when I booked this episode, I told Matt Ruby we were going to be talking about rock and roll and the death of it. And then he got here. I'm like, you know what? I have another idea. We kind of have to do this happiness. Right, and I think it worked out great. And I think you were the right guy to talk to Trent I'm about I'm happy this. you did that. Yeah, baby. I mean, I'm, I'm, I handle shit, I'm baby. at peace that we did that. <laughs> I'm a creator. I don't know if you know this about me. So um, uh, Matt Ruby and I get in talks at Cabin when I go there to Falouz. You know, and throw down some boozy booze and, and get in some trouble um, about rock and roll. I have a podcast, as some of y'all know, called Get in the Ring, a Guns N' Roses Appreciation podcast. And so I am getting deep into my rock roots. I think one of my next tattoos is going to be Defenders of the Faith, which is a wonderful song by Judas Priest. Um, Who would have thought in 84 they had to defend metal? But here, 30 years later, I mean, hard rock is kind of dead. And this is a discussion Matt and I had the other day. We'll just touch upon it for a minute, and then we'll probably revisit this in another episode. We could probably do 30 hours on this shit. But your feeling is that it is dead or is not? Uh, is hard rock dead? Is or just rock and roll is in rock general, as we knew it? Uh, I think it's dying. I mean, I think uh, you know each generation needs some music that the older generation hates, and I think you know now like guys with guitars, you know, singing rock and roll songs seems a little bit antiquated to kids. And I think uh, yeah, there's the EDM and other stuff is sort of taken over. I mean, rock has to be for the youth. Rock and roll has to be about a youth thing, and I don't think the youth are into rock and roll. Why? Because so. I think that's part of the spirit of it. It's not for old people. It's like it's fuck it's you to the man. Just the spirit, not the music. I think the parents listen to it too. It makes takes the shine off, right? Yeah, like that's, it's, it's about being know, you rebellious. Think, you don't think that just like parents, just like your parents were listening to their music, you'll listen to yours. So like now, it kind of ages with the people that grew up with it. No, I mean I I think I agree with that. So it could still so it doesn't necessarily have to be for the youth. It started with the youth, and as youth grow up, they carry it with them. Yeah, but Roger Daltrey, when he's you know 25, singing Hope I Die Before I Get Old, is rock and roll. Roger Daltrey, when he's 70, singing Hope I Die Before I Get Old, right. is not rock and roll. And I'm mm. glad you brought that up. I saw The Who in uh, 96, I want to say, 98, something like All that. Right. No, it was 96. I saw him the night the Yankees won the World Series. Let's bring it back to that. Uh, almost got arrested, too. Interesting night. Another story. Um... <laughs> And we're yelling for encores, and I want him to play Bob O'Reilly, because that's my favorite, you know. But, but it's also ironic, Teenage Wasteland, these guys who are in their 50s, I want to say. And my buddy James kept yelling, 
my generation, my generation. I go, they should never play my generation. And I've seen them live three times. They end up doing it once out of the three. And I thought it was the corniest thing ever. And I'm like, he says, I hope I die before God. He's fucking old. What but, generation is he But is there about? any part of it that's connecting him to his youth and still the attitude is there? Even though the lyrics maybe don't match up as perfectly, I think the, the same spirit. I think the the meaning changes completely. Then it becomes this this ironic thing, or this uh, or old in spirit, nostalgic sentiment. Because I'll tell you right now, Roger Daltrey's got to be what sixty five, six plus. I bet he, he ain't like the sixty five year olds I remember when I was a kid. Like Roger Daltrey, I bet fuck us all up, the four of us. Right, so Roger Daltrey, it, I think, still could fight. You could see it in interviews. Supposedly was the toughest son of a bitch ever. He's five foot nothing, too. Um, <laughs> this mad little troll. So maybe, I mean, if he wants to interpret like that. But I always like, I was like that, Matt. It was like, no. Would, yeah. would you want them to write the, new music about where they are right now? The who? Nah, who gives a shit about the who? No one's I mean, listening to, 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 to me. It's like or rock, just rock music. Yeah, I mean, what we were talking about is like generation. rock and roll as an ethos. I think this is the sad part: this idea of like doing shit on your own and fuck the man and like don't sell out. And like there, I just saw there was some frontline special. They asked like like thirty five, you know, like high school kids, uh, what does selling out mean to you? And none of them even knew what it means. Like mm. that phrase doesn't exist anymore. And to people my age who came up in like indie rock or stuff like that, it's like oh my god, this is a generation that doesn't even understand the concept of not selling out that it's the lines have become so blurred that I and that was something that was cool that rock and roll brought into my life at least this idea of like you can do it on your own and that there's another way and like Kurt Cobain saying like corporate magazines still suck on the cover of Rolling Stone and like giving the finger to the man and like saying like hey we can build our own thing here and and that seems to be going away and now it just seems to be all sponsored by Doritos and you know Red Bull and you know what's what's actually here that's not part of the machine is the question. But I don't think rock has been rock in a long time, though. I mean, I think I think that since... I think rap has replaced rock. And now in, that's on its the, death, no. And what's that? I think, that's think on so? its, I think it's on its death, yeah. But yes. You think that, that, that rap Hip-hop, is? Hip-hop, yes. In, just in, in terms of what? In terms of the attitude or in terms of the music? I think that you can definitely separate the two things, the, the attitude and the music. Because uh, I would argue with anyone that there's more good music now than there ever has been. You honestly think that? New uh, yeah. music coming out 100%, weekly. 100%. Now, the, the difference is none of it's mainstream or very little of it's mainstream. Enlighten but, us. Tell us some people. Well, I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm all into this, like, hippie shit. So, you know, everybody at Woodstock at that time, they were super mainstream artists. They were, they were huge. They were the ones that everybody knew about. But now, uh, because you have... Um, you know, like Miley Cyrus and whoever else, who who I like much more than like a lot of the other people. I'm, I w- I'll defend her quite a bit, but uh, because you have all these people and they're now forefront, these musicians, they can just be musicians, like like Hendrix and, and you told me Hendrix and Garcia and 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 Janice. You know, they all died because of the the uh, the pressures of fame. The, the you know being a rock star. And the Stones would have done much much better if they. A lot of the drugs they did were due to the pressures of being rock stars. But now that now that raps rappers are rock stars rock stars are free to be musicians they can they can mm. just make their music and they it's can make great music quote. like uh like ryan adams right now so is what, they don't have to worry about being famous is not that- not really they're, because i mean they they have they have their fans but they're you know because kanye's says something and he blows up on the internet and everybody's worried about him somebody like Derek trucks can can play the most amazing guitar solos you've ever heard in your life 
Kanye is a rock star. Like that is one hundred percent. Right. And 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 Miley too. And this is why I love her is that she fully embraces that she's this pop star and she does all these scandalous things. Her she is an entertainer. She her job is to entertain us. I think she completely gets that. So I think when she does these weird scandalous things, I, I think she does it knowingly and, and intelligently, and she embraces that. See, like mm. Rock might have died when we were coming to age, Matt. You know the Gen X shit, right? When when these bands that weren't designed to be famous and to be rock stars became rock stars, right. and there was that conflict with Nirvana, who was as big as anyone. But Kurt grew up. That dude was indie, right? Yeah, That's he what punk, he was into. He was punk rock. Yeah. Punk rock, man. He loved the Melvins. I mean, you ever seen the Melvins live? I mean, it's a fucking hodgepodge, but it's wonderful. <laughs> but it's not mainstream by any means. And uh, that's really when it, when it went, went bye-bye. When Kurt died, that was it. You know that scene in, in, in the book and in the film of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when uh, Hunter Thompson is talking about the wave cracking and that was over? Ironically, we're back to waves. You could just see it all end at the end of the 60s, like with the Kennedys and then. That's this optimism. I felt the same way the day Kurt Cobain died. I felt like my generation, we, ha we were changing. We were trying to do good things. The music was representing this youth. We just, and you think Clinton that's no longer it. here? I think it died that day. I, I, I really I feel like that was the end of our 60s. I think oh, it's generation. more ingrained in the new generation of like, oh, I get to do whatever I want. No one gets to tell me that I can have any opinion. This whole idea of like social media. I think it's like assumed now. I think I think it's just the arrogance of youth, man. Like I think in, this, in the 60s, they had all this idealism and then they became, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like George Bush. The, you know this, the second one like you know my, you know my, my my parents weren't at Woodstock but their you know their friends were and then they get you know their their jobs and they just join the man man and I think that's what happens with every generation and even now these I don't even know what what they're called but they're you know every everybody changing their Facebook status for the 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 two equal the red equal lines during the like doma shit and they get all passionate about this but you know I think that's the nature of youth to be idealistic and then they lose as they get but older what are they I think idealistic that's gonna happen about right now. This and that, I don't know. Not exactly. I don't, Quality, yeah, I don't give a shit. Thing, but, but I don't, I don't think they know. What, like, yeah. What are, no, I think, I think there's causes that sexuality definitely seems that. to be on the forefront. All right. And and then the in terms of what, what we were talking about, this uh, do you sense a, a genuine passion amongst the, the young generation now of like this is really what they care about and it's important to them? Or there's like what I sense is almost, little, someone's got a bit about this. I just don't think they care. It's like, yeah, they should be able to get married. I don't care. Right. It's more passive. It seems to be about apathy. Like there doesn't right. seem to be like no. Which fuck maybe this. I'm sick of this. This is what your generation has done to me, and I'm I'm done with it. And that that whole attitude seems to be nowhere now. It's right. even no, with I hip hop. Do. You know, I get it. Like oh, your parents hate hip hop, so you like it. But it still seems to be all about Bugattis and and Cristal and like you know whatever name brands are being dropped in. And it doesn't seem to be like what what are you standing for? What's What's the change that you're trying to make happen? It just seems to be like is there, I want to be is, famous. I want to bang hoes. And like, is there right. something almost nice about how Pat? Like, why is this even a big deal, you guys? There's almost something nice about that. Be like, what? Of course they could get married. Why are we even having this discussion? No, I think that's great, definitely. But yeah. I, I, I like. I want there to be a fight about something. What are we fighting? Do you for? think that's a generation thing or an American thing? Because you do see more passion outside of America. Yeah, no, I, I think Americans have been sort of like narcotized mm -hmm. culturally. I, mean, I, I think a piece of that comes from now we look we can we can now look back and see all the fights that that the youth fought and nothing kind of came of it what do you mean in the 60s yeah like like the environmental movement nothing came of that well, uh 
There I mean, were things, a lot of things came. Oh, there's a things clean came. Air yeah, act and some stuff things like came of it. But if you look at if you look and at especially like, where, racially, Alana's changed. Okay, I I take it back. And but. even if even if <laughs> even if, even if it is yeah. ineffectual, just the idea of fighting, right. being like, you oh, know, I don't like this. I'm I'm gonna fight back, even if it doesn't work. But it, but what? I th- but what what I think though that there is, at least for me personally, there's an awareness of the futility. Mm-hmm. Sure, I especially you, you had, you had, Well, you right had, you had right. Occupy that's an American a few thing. years ago. To take, yeah, so Occupy is a good example. In other countries, hundreds of thousands of people turn up for things like that. There were like 600 people for Occupy yeah, Wall no, Street. I think that's a good example. Like, what do, what is, what do we protest in this country? And right. for how long? And like, yeah. we, even Occupy, which was great, but then it's like three months. It's like, all right. Occupy. Yeah, the they're like, leave the park. That. And we're like, yeah, well, okay. Like, well, wait, <laughs> well, then like, you had... And then, and then you just see like the Koch brothers and all these forces of evil right. and like, you know, the machine just taking over more and more. And they're like, where's the, where's the pushback? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What well, starts with the oomph school. From school for um, I will teach Revolution 101. That's what I'm going to teach now. I'm well, how does myself. the revolution start? So this is funny. Bill Maher was just talking about this, saying that you need to go out and vote to have a, a say and to cha- make the changes you want. And I think a lot of people have the attitude Stupid. like, I'm not voting because who cares and I want to make a change. Yeah, like if young people voted, shit would be totally different. Right. I, th- I think what's going to be the next thing is like when all these, when like Google... And Amazon and all those companies decide that they want to actually impact the system, like that's going to be something to be reckoned with. When all those I think you're starting to a little did, bit. Yeah, they did with, with that, the uh, net neutrality. With the, yeah, exactly. And they when they all shut down for a day or put their signs right. up, the government like backed the fuck off. But it, like whoa, it like, is you had senators mm-hmm. changing their votes. It is in the face. Like, oh, look at this of their this own. Actually, made something change. It's in their exactly. own interest, though. These companies. Sure. Net neutrality. Well, any any of these issues that they get behind. Why? Why? Because their company's acting in their in their interest. That's not that's not system fighting. That's the system maintaining itself. I I would take that new system over the current system because this one's fucked. <laughs> like I I would, ra- I would say, it's the same one that it's been about you know, corporations calling the shots. Oh, I think it's gotten worse. And I and I do think I would it's rather. Just I would it's rather just different have corporations. Google. It's just would, Google yeah. instead of. I think of, Google uh, is way better than uh, Halliburton. There, you, okay. But does that solve the problem, or that, that just shift it? I mean, we got a we, lesser of two evils. I'm, I got, I'm trying to empty one truck filled with manure before I. <laughs> well, okay. One. Let's just say they came to you to create a system. Where do you start? Uh, I think you got to burn the whole thing down and start over again. But uh, I don't think that's a realistic goal. But yeah, um, I don't know. I think happened once. I think our yeah. I mean, there's going to have to be a revolution again. I think before a real change happens, there'll never be a revolution in America. There was. Uh, it's too big. No, to, it's too big. To, to, to tie it back. That, that well, revolution, be, though, was... was uh, I think it's going to be I dramatically there'll, different. There'll be a financial collapse at some point within the next three decades, and at that point, shit will go down, and then there's going to be a re-evaluation of yeah, a but, lot of this. But it's, I mean, the, the country's too big. That, that, well, it could be like an online, like anonymous type of revolution type I stuff. Yes, man, but it's just like... like the, the Civil War, that broke down because uh, it was local in a sense. Right, it's all the Southerners came together because they wanted goddamn slavery and all that nonsense, and they—it was cultural too. It's like we're different than them, and that's how right. that happened. It's 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 too hodgepodge now. It's too. It'd be like a, it'd be like a battle royale. It'd be like thirty-eight groups. You have like desert people and cahoots. Like it, it's it, it's like it, Syria now. It's not going to happen. It's too big of a country. I mean, we're stuck we'll, with what we got. Or will it be outside of America and maybe more of a global change of mindset type thing? And then we have to get along? Possibly. Well, there's going to be a point when we do what China says. 
I, I, or, I already I, do a China Chinese. Sneaky, I'm sorry, those sneaky <laughs> Chinese, as Benji would say. I think I said Asians. I think countries dissolve, and in the future, we'll all be like part of companies. So instead of being American and Chinese, Ooh. we'll be Apple and Google. Like the original, really? like yeah. the original. But not, you're not saying that in a positive way. No. No, I mean, like I, rollerball. I, I see that. I mean, I think I don't know people's, if it's negative either. people's affiliation to their phone brand is yeah, is stronger than like than what state they come from yeah, totally. at this point. But um, I mean, I think. To, to tie it back that and we're going to wrap up that, this got way too uh, serious <laughs> we're supposed to talk about rock and roll I wanted to talk about Jimmy Page see we're rock like, and roll fuck the Koch brothers they're a bunch of assholes rock and roll serious business it, like, apparently it is my friend I love Jimmy Page though. but I think that uh, he should run the country fucking wizard well now he might have been worse than Bill Cosby oh boy ooh yeah putting sharks in girls vaginas not the nicest thing just say separate the artist from the art damn it <laughs> I can't like anyone tramp close it up you know, I think that the uh to tie it back, the revolution has to be uh, almost like a personal, how, how we interact with these, ourselves, how we interact with each other, and then it could go in that direction. It's like a love revolution, man. Man, you're so yeah. happy. 26, <laughs> One more day, 26 days of revolution. Matt's coming over to your house don't Saturday be, don't morning. Don't be a revolutionary. Be a revolution. He's okay, coming I'm, over. I'm going to be at a bar mitzvah Saturday morning. So, Hey-o. Will you be happy at the bar mitzvah? Will I be happy? Uh, I'll, I'll be amused. I think I haven't been to one in uh, you know well, uh, we're about a while. To, we're about to do the plugs. I what, hope uh, you plug what, the bar mitzvah. What, yeah. What's the uh, what's the theme? Do you know the theme? Oh, I didn't even know bar mitzvahs have themes. Oh fuck! Happiness, dog. I that's what you wanted to fucking crowbar. Right? Happiness I see theme. It. He's really into sports, so I assume it's some sports thing. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, good. You could tell him about the '85 Yankees that you saw. Mike Pagliarulo, mm. third base. Oh, Pags. Yeah. And how you didn't want to walk through the tunnel. I'm, All right. I was more of a Greg Nettles kind of guy. God bless him. Great two, career 250 hitter. All right. Let's close this shit out. Uh, this has been a very interesting show. Look, when we started this show, it was going to be serious at times. This is one of our more serious ones. But I remember the second episode, the law episode. Laster was very nice. It was on, on there. And we had Jay Welch. And we're talking law. And we left, and Chavon and all that. And we, uh, I was leaving with Laster. He goes, man, you're like Bill Maher, man. You're keeping the conversation going. I'm like, ah, that's very nice. I bet I'm not Bill Maher the rest of this show. Right. Uh, and we have been very far from it. But tonight... Back to Maher. Uh, close enough. So let's got to have goddamn conversations about life and figure out what we're doing. Exactly. And that's what we did. I feel like I'm trying to justify this to myself. <laughs> I also was told I talked too much on a, another podcast I did. So now it's like, what are you going to do? I really like being the dumbest man in the room. This was really <laughs> awesome. Being just stupid. Like... Three intelligent gentlemen, and I'm here going, um, I'm going to crowbar a joke. It's fucking insane, but god damn what you guys. You? Very intelligent gentlemen. It was great. Tramp, start the plugs, please. Plug what the fuck you want. I'm at, too much too. At I'm Aaron Friedman on Twitter, and uh, check out my podcast, Jamcast, on the Stand Up New York Labs podcast network, the unofficial podcast of Jam Band Music and the Hippie Ethos. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Big Bench. The best OBS on Twitter. But check out all of Stand Up Your Labs podcasts, especially Aaron's. Also, we got the promo code LUST. All our fans out there, half off tickets to Stand Up New York. Spread the word, spread the love. Be you and uh, be happy at peace. I think those were the conclusion (laughs) we had. Thank you. Matt Ruby, please plug whatever you want. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Matt Ruby, mattrubycomedy.com. I have a blog about comedy called sandpapersuit.com. And a show that I do about the tech world, which is called Vuza, V-O-O-Z-A dot com. And we have a new funny episode about startup stuff every Wednesday. Outstanding. Mm. Uh, yes, r- real quick, so the, the next edition of this Happiness Marathon, uh, we're going to start on 
December 6th, so that the last day is New Year's Eve. If anybody wants to do it and uh, participate, is there like a hashtag they can just, join? Or something? No, it's not. You have to train in advance. Dumb sh- no, no. Just just happy. Just, I'm a happiness coach. Happy for like three hours in a row first. Just decide that you're going to do it and uh, and you do it. And uh, if you know if you've any questions, do hit me up or whatever. Take my nipples. Uh, towards the end, a, yeah. There's a, there's every, time every time I'm happy, my nipples start bleeding. Add this to the oomph school, happiness dojo. Well, I will train people to be ready to do the 26 days. Happiness Dojo! What you know about that in the booth, Holland? All right, let me do some plugs. We'll get the fuck out of here. I need a nap. All right. Um, <laughs> James L. Madden, I got to start a second Facebook. So don't don't friend me yet. It's not going to, you're going to get nothing, but you can go to the Think Twitter. about friending you. Just, Just plan, think about plan it, it, but you can't it do it yet. All right. Prep. I'm too lazy to get a second Dan page. Dan Frigolet, fan page four. Oh, he's on like be... 600. Don't get me started with that, Mama Luke. Um, and then the Instagrams. I'm on the Instagrams. I, I'd like to take selfies of me, say that I look like something despicable, and plug my, my gigs. That's basically all I do. And uh, keep supporting us. This, this, we do good work here. All right, Stand Up New York Lab is beautiful. Support this great podcast. Write comments on iTunes. Give us some stars. Spread the word. This is the revolution right here. Support the oomph school. Support John Snow Day and the Happiness Dojo. Um, also, listen to my other podcast, Television the Podcast, on this network with Chris Laker, where we break down the hot water cooler TV shows. Listen to Get in the Ring, a Guns N' Roses Appreciation Podcast with Tim Warner. Delightful. You should have a podcast about your podcast. We, that's my fourth. It'll be with you, baby. I'm ready. It's Let's me and the Rubes. Ruby Soho. We're going to get it right. Uh, mad love to Mike Holland in the booth. Mike, I feel like we let you down. Was it too serious? No. But we changing lives with this show, baby. Yeah. That's what we do. Mad love to Donnie and Gabe and Minnesota John Fattigate. I've already given a shout out to Super Tramp. He sat in this way. Um, Chicken Catcher Tory, executive, one of the executive producers. All my peoples, man. <laughs> Uncle Billy, stepdad Keith, cousin John, Tim Styles, cousin Nick. Everyone putting this together. Big shout out to Pookie. Yeah, that's right. I'm taking back the 80s rap video shit. All right, we got to get out of here. Be who you is. Till next time, we're all worth a million in prizes.